Hey mamas, it's Megan, your host here at the VBAC Link. I am so excited to get into our amazing episode today, but before we do, I wanted to do a quick Q&A on my number one most asked question, which is how do I prepare for a VBAC? I know it's a lot to unpack, but here are some of the top answers for you. Find a VBAC supportive provider and make sure you are getting the right nutrition. This includes getting optimal amounts of protein, vitamins, and minerals to support a healthy VBAC pregnancy. I personally recommend Needed's prenatals to all of my clients and to this amazing community of ours. Head to thisisneeded.com to get 20% off with code VBAC20. That is thisisneeded.com, code VBAC20. Hello, women of strength. We are mid-January and we have an amazing story for you today. We have our friend Amina and she and I were talking before we started recording and she was like, you are changing lives, you are inspiring, you're changing people's pregnancies. And I just want to talk on that because one, absolutely is an honor to even hear those words and is so touching. But two, I think I would like to counteract that even and say, you guys, you women of strength, you Amina, you, every single person that has been on this podcast, that is who's changing these lives of these women of strength wanting to be back and know their options. And I'm just here creating the platform and I'm so grateful to do this. It really, really is so amazing to hear story after story, to hear journey, to hear how people overcome fear and anxiety and doubt. And, you know, we're not here to prove people wrong, but I do love a good, like, proving someone wrong story Um, when it's like, yeah, you tell me my pelvis is too small. I'm going to show you. Um, No, but really, it's just such an honor to be here. I've been on the podcast now for a year solo without my partner in crime, Julie, and it's been really hard without her because I just loved being with her but I'm still so grateful to be with you guys today. So like I said, our friend Amina, she has a VBAC story, but I just want to tell you a little bit about her. She's an international yoga teacher. If you haven't checked out her page, you definitely need to. Um, she's a mother of two, the founder of the of Honey Studio, of movement and mindfulness app, which we know mindful breath, mindfulness, breath work, movement, These are all things that are going to benefit us through our childbirth years. And she is uncovering the infinite possibility within your body and mind. And I love that. Uncovering the infinite possibility within your body and mind. Amina, we're going to get into your story in just one moment. But of course, we have a review of the week. And I love reading these reviews. So as always, if you haven't had a chance to drop us a review, please do so. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. I don't know, Spotify, maybe, maybe. I don't know if I've ever seen reviews on Spotify and Google, or you can just email them. So this is from Sid Hayes, and it's from Apple Podcast back in May of 2023. And it says, a wealth of information. It says, this podcast has so many helpful tools when it comes to birth and especially avoiding a cesarean. I listened to it every chance I had when I was planning for a VBAC, and I know it helped me achieve my goals. Hearing other women's stories is so powerful. Thank you for this resource. Look, she's saying it too. Your stories are so powerful. We love them so much. And if you also didn't know, we're sharing them on social media because we do have so many inquiries on the podcast. We'd love to, we'd like to 
try to share more stories on social media. So if you haven't submitted your story, you can do so. And you can also submit for social media. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, beautiful lady. I am just smiling. Like, I feel like my cheeks already hurt just looking at you. You are glowing. I can just see the excitement and the beauty coming out of you to share this story and well, to share your stories. So I'd love to turn the time over to you. Thank you so much for having me. Like I was telling you before we started recording, this is a dream moment of mine. It was, it's a very manifestation kind of moment because when I was listening to all these empowering stories to get to share mine is a true, true honor. And it's, it's like something on my vision board, you know, so I'm just so grateful to be here. Well, thank you. And I love that you're talking about your vision board. Like, I think sometimes when we step back and we close our eyes and we truly visualize our life, our journey, our goals, we truly can help achieve those by doing so. Totally. I'm going to track to this a little bit later on, but I was sitting with a friend uh, in the very middle of all of this, and she was telling me that she visualized her whole birth from the beginning to the end and that she saw it all. And this, when I heard her just calmly sitting over coffee saying that, I was like, wait a minute. And I went home and did my homework and I wrote down the kind of birth I had. So the, the kind of birth I wanted to have, which I ended up having. So, but I'm gonna, yeah, walk you through the, the story. Yes, let's let's hear the stories. Yeah, so basically in 2017, I I had very, very painful periods and I decided I wanted to have a baby. So I went to just check out just to get like a little checkup to see that everything was okay before we start trying. And we hadn't started trying yet. And so I go to the, to the OBGYN at the time, it was in Dubai. And I'm like, I have very painful periods to the point that I'm crying on the floor, sobbing, like mm. no painkillers working. And she says, so are you on birth control? And I'm like, no. And she says, well, if you're not on birth control, then don't complain. These were literally her words. What? So, yeah. So I was like, but can you check me first just, just to see what's going on? Because I, I was very connected with my body. I had been doing yoga for a few years and I knew something was off. I, I had this intuition. Something in my body was telling me something is off. Mm -hmm. So she's like, sure, let's check. And she checks and finds a big polyp in my uterus mm -hmm. that would prevent implantation from happening. So she was like, I'm sorry, you were right. This has to be removed before you start trying to make any babies. So that was a moment for me where I was like, this is weird. We really need to fight for ourselves to get heard or, you know. So anyway, we did the polyp removal and then they said, wait three months and then start trying to have a baby. So we waited the three months. It was September 2017 and we tried and I got pregnant. It was just like, like that. It was amazing. And the pregnancy, you know, I felt good. I wasn't nauseous. I was pregnant with a boy and we did all the testing. And then throughout the pregnancy, I started to, I found my way through uh, Ina, May's, uh, Ina May Gaskin's book yeah. and I started to read about it and just kind of learn a little bit more about how births are 
the system of birthing in the U.S. at at the time. And I decided I wanted to have a midwife instead of a, a doctor. So I switched out. And again, uneventful. I wanted to birth at a birthing center and I felt like I was super prepared. We did a hypnobirthing um, course and uh, on the due date, on the due date exactly, I started to have a little bit of bleeding, like not even like a period kind of blood, just a little brownish, you know, thing, discharge. Mm -hmm. And so my mom was like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to be bleeding. Like, why, why do you have blood? And I'm like, I don't know, but I was super excited. Like, we're doing this. I'm having the baby. So that was like at 4 a.m. I went to sleep, woke up soaking the, like a lot of water, had, the water had broken. And so we're like, okay, let's go to the hospital. There was a, the water was a bit taint, uh, tinted with like some blood. Mm. So I'm still very calm. Like, it's fine. My body knows what it's doing. I had all the mantras. And I show up to the hospital and everybody is panicking at the hospital. I, I don't know why, but they were panicking. They were like, you're bleeding and you shouldn't be bleeding during birth. And you you have to be monitored. So all of the things that I was prepared for, which is which is like to deny an interventions, to say like you know I don't want to be checked. All of these, it was it was just I remember it being a very intrusive experience where mm -hmm. I was constantly being bombarded by nurses, by 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 faces I didn't know. So mm -hmm. I was definitely not relaxed. And then my doctor was like, "Look, I'm going to give you a few hours to labor on your own because I know what you want." So it was basically a doctor with a group of midwives. And the doctor was there and uh, one of the midwives was also there. But she, the doctor said, I'm going to let you labor for a little longer. Uh, I'll give you the afternoon to labor and we see what happens. So I go into the room and I start to have very intense contractions that were not stopping. It was just like one long contraction. And I was just, you know, breathing through it, doing all of my, my coping, my coping tools that I was prepared for. My husband's doing the hip squeezes. We're, you know, we're in that labor land, um, yeah. but then someone keeps coming in and I have to like constantly argue for myself because the, the you know, how they monitor your, uh, your belly with the contractions. Mm -hmm. So something will move and then they won't get the baby's heart rate. Then they panic and run in and just all the time. So I wasn't really kind of relaxed, I would say. And then, so then they, the doctor comes in, she's like, okay, look, we've been monitoring your contractions from the office. You should be in transition phase at this point, but your your contractions are very intense and they're not stopping. So I'm, I'm suggesting to give you an epidural just to help relax you and we see what happens. So, you know, at that, that moment I was in so much pain that I was like, I want to weigh out. Okay. Yeah. Give it to mm -hmm. me, you know, <laughs> give it to me. Yeah. So they give me the epidural and within, I think like minutes or so, I, everything started turning black. I heard mm. the, the monitor starting to beep. And 30 doctors are in the room and everyone is panicking. And my midwife's hand is inside me, I think, moving the baby or doing something and saying, we're losing him. And I just remember that moment. I was oh just fighting, 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 fighting the whole time. And that moment, I was just like surrender. Like, I, I just want to see my baby. I want to be okay. And my mom was there with me by my side, her and my husband. My mom is this source of strength for me, who's always very strong, doesn't panic. Her face was just stricken with fear and I was like this is not good I need to let go of my dream of you know birthing this mm -hmm. I, I can't do it I, I, I give up you know so in that moment my doctor after they get the baby's heart okay she's like look I don't know what's going on but I know that neither you nor your baby can handle any more of this labor we have to get the baby out mm -hmm. so I said okay go ahead and I was very like okay with it like just right. so within you know very fast 
I was in the in the emergency room or whatever the C-section room. The OR and mm -hmm. the OR. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, and I I was just in total panic. I was like the drugs. I was like shaking, and it was just so much. I remember just looking into my husband's eyes, and he's like, "Just breathe with me." And we're just like yoga. I was just breathing in, breathing out. This moment is all that matters, and I'm just gonna stay present. So then we have the C-section. I hear my baby. All of this. He gets placed on me after, you know, in the recovery room. And honestly, from then on, it was a very smooth postpartum journey. I healed very well from my C-section. It led me to learning a lot about the core and how to heal and just mm -hmm. all of these really amazing uh, things I didn't know about before. And it strengthened kind of my, my knowledge as a teacher. So that journey was great. And then I think it took me a little while where I was like, I don't want to have any other babies. This mm -hmm. was the worst experience of my life. And I just, I, I kind of just shoved it away. I just didn't think about it. Then he was three and a half years old. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to miss the baby phase. And I would love for him to have a sibling. And, but I really don't want to go through another birth. I knew that that, that was just a trauma. But I think the, the, the love for, for him and to bring him a sibling kind of overcame that fear. And I was like, let's just do it. So three and a half years later, we try to get pregnant and I'm like expecting, you know, just like that, just like the first mm -hmm. time, but it didn't happen. And it was, I think around six months that we were trying when we got into the seventh month, seventh month, I was like, okay, something's up. I have to start like, start, maybe have another polyp, maybe I have a fibroid. I started going from doctor to doctor to check why I'm not getting pregnant. And turns out that every, they're like, everything's great. Everything looks perfect. You know, there's no reason why you're not getting pregnant. So then in the end, I decided to go the IVF route. I was like, let's just, you know, let's just do this. Let's just save some eggs. I was 34. I was like, let's save some eggs in case I want to have future uh, pregnancies and also get genetic testing and all of this stuff. So we started doing IVF in July of uh, 2021, I believe, 2022. Yeah, we started doing the first round. We got the eggs out, all of this very easy, breezy IVF cycle, I would say. And then the embryo transfer was in September, which was the same time that I got pregnant, exactly four years apart. Same oh my time, gosh. almost same due date. So it's crazy. So I, I did the embryo transfer. She stuck and I felt very nauseous the first few, uh, the first few months. I was just super nauseous. And I looked up a doctor next to me that's just like a great surgeon. I was like, I'm going to do another C-section. I don't want any surprises. I don't want, you know, I don't want anything to, I just want the easiest, safest option. Mm -hmm. so so I go and see him and he's like yeah you know you probably had a placental abruption the first time I, I was gonna ask you if they ever gave you so an answer and if it had it was placenta related so they that's never, what it sounded like to me yeah they said so they said that they suspected that the placenta was shaped funny because of my surgery the polyp surgery being so uh, close they, mm -hmm. they said it was a bilobed placenta but they mm -hmm. didn't con they didn't say anything about that it was an abruption. So they never mentioned those words. They just they were s scared of it at the, at the birth. And that when I would say, "Is my baby okay?" They're like, "Yes." Then I'm like, "Okay, so let me labor." You know, until it mm -hmm. led to the C-section because of the epidural. So it was more that it was the epidural that caused a bad reaction to, to mm -hmm. me and the baby. Yeah, blood pressure the, drops, know, which is going black. Dropped. Yeah, going black exactly. So I had all of this fear from you know from all of this and I was like I want something just very low risk a, a safe great surgeon so I went to meet with my doctor and he was like yeah no you know 
uh, how do you want to deliver this baby? And I said, um, I would love to have a repeat C-section. And then I started to get curious. I was like, but what if, you know, what if I go into, and he's like, well, if you go into a natural spontaneous labor on your own, we can give, we can do a trial of labor. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, that sounds, that sounds fair. And throughout, I think once I was in the second trimester, I started to feel really good. I started to feel very empowered and strong. And I was like working out and I was just loving the pregnancy. I, it wasn't like I, I felt alien the first pregnancy. The second time around, I was kind of savoring it a lot more. I was a lot more in tune, a lot more connected. And um, I was pregnant with a baby girl. And then, yeah, so I was, I was kind of just like in this, in this confident, uh, confident feeling. And I noticed that whenever I think of the birth, I start to feel fear. And mm. I'm like, I'm going to do a repeat C-section because it's too scary otherwise. And then I asked myself this question, are you avoiding trying for a vaginal birth because you're scared or because it feels like the right thing to do? And it was a hundred percent because I was scared. It was just, there was, there was, you know, there was nothing beyond that. It was pure fear. So I started to talk to, to my therapist and I started to tell her, like, I want to dive deeper into this, into my first birth. Like, why am I feeling this way? And we started to really dive deep and realize that there is, it was a mystery and we're never going to fully know why it happened. That I'm not going to get the answers that I need of mm -hmm. the reason for my cesarean. Just, something this was how he was meant to, birth, to be born and that there was really nothing in my hands i started to listen to the VBAC link as soon as i felt that spark of curiosity i would get on my treadmill and i would walk for i think an hour every single day on an incline listening mm -hmm. to the stories of all these women and i started to feel like wait maybe this this is a possibility you know why am i so scared let me let me see what's on the other side of this fear so i decided to have a real conversation with my doctor he was always throwing around the words 39 weeks. When you're at 39 weeks, if you go into labor, and I was mm -hmm. like, wait a second. The first time I went into labor at 40 weeks. So mm -hmm. why am I, why do I have to go in? Why go do I have sooner. to limit it to like a very small percentage that I go early? So I started to ask him, I was like, you know what? I would really love to avoid another surgery if it's possible. And he, his response was like, first of all, don't glamorize vaginal birth because vaginal oh. birth you're going to most likely tear because you've never had a baby come out of there before. You're not going to be able to hold your pee. You can be, you, you'll be in pain sitting down and you know, it's, it's not something glamorous. It's not necessarily the better option. That's what he was telling me. Mm. And I was skeptical because I was like, well, all the stats that I read is repeat C-section is the more risky. It's the riskier option. It's not the less, you know, and it's a major surgery. So he said, and then I said, you know, the reason that I had a, a cesarean the first time was a bad reaction to the epidural, most likely. He said, no, because it was placental abruption and you can rupture your placenta again. So again, mm -hmm. I researched this and I was like, wait, just because you had, even if let's say it was, which yeah. we don't know it was, th the chances of getting, a, it's a whole new placenta, whole new baby, whole new story. So the chances of this repeating again is quite low. And so he's trying to scare me with these stats that I wasn't convinced with because they're very low, you know? And then I said, so also I would love to avoid the epidural because it was the reason everything kind of literally turned black in the birth. And he said, well, no, that's not possible because I need access in case I need to get the baby out in 10 seconds. So I realized in that moment that I am just a, an emergency to this doctor. I, mm -hmm. I'm just this emergency case you know i'm not seen as a human i'm not seen as a mother wanting to birth 
the way that mm -hmm. I'm designed to, I'm, I'm seen as this, this scare, this risk, right? So, and then he said, he boasted, like, I'm very fast. I'm known to be very fast. I don't waste time. I'm because also I asked for the gentle seat, which is like, okay, let's mm -hmm. get the baby out. Give me a few seconds for the pulse, for the pulsation of the, yep. of the cord, the cord. And he was like, well, no, absolutely not. You're, you're cut open. This happens in seconds. I'm very fast. So I, I was see, I felt like I was a medical emergency. And also mm -hmm. I felt like I don't want someone so fast by my side when I'm doing the most intense, intimate thing of my life. Like, I don't want to have this rushed kind of energy by me. So I knew I had to get out of there. That was my screaming intuition. Get out of this practice. Mm -hmm. Search for a supportive OBGYN. And your podcast, The VBAC Link, helped me so much with, with realizing how much that actually can change the outcome. Absolutely. And yeah. And I felt like, you know, I was empowered to know that no matter what happens, even if I wasn't with a supportive doctor, I would still try to get my way. But I was like, let me just search for my options. So I remember I had seen one of the doctors when I was trying to figure out what was going on with why I wasn't getting pregnant. I had met this beautiful doctor, like just radiating source of just warm, calm energy. And I was like, why didn't I go to her? Like, let me just, and she's more holistic and you know, loves hypnobirthing and all of this stuff, but mm -hmm. she's an excellent surgeon, which is why I had went to see her. So I was standing, I remember this moment so well, I was standing in the museum and I was like, I need to do this. It was, a, it was a yes in my body. I called them and right away they were like, we can take you. I met with her and, and as soon as I met her, she was like, we are going to have this VBAC. It wasn't mm -hmm. you. It wasn't, it was we, it was a, this as feeling a of like as a team. And she works with a bunch of other female doctors in the same clinic. And she was like, look, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be there at your birth, but I want you to know that every single person here will advocate for you just in the same way. But I felt very attached to her and I would always book my, my uh, follow-ups with her. And, you know, I developed this bond with her. I'm going to take a quick break from our amazing episode today to continue talking about preparing for a VBAC. I mentioned Needed earlier, and I just wanted to expand on why I suggest them. They offer radically better nutrition products. They offer the most comprehensive prenatal that's available in both a delicious tasting vanilla powder and in capsule form. And don't just take my word for it. The women in our VBAC community have fallen in love with their products too, and are noticing a difference in their energy, digestion, and their mood. Just like we talk about making sure your provider is VBAC supportive or not, I suggest you do the same with your prenatals. Here's the deal. 95% of women in the prenatal stages have nutrient deficiencies. Most prenatal vitamins include the bare minimum nutrition based on outdated guidelines and stale research. We deserve to thrive, not just survive. Needed offers radically better nutrition products, education, and advocacy rooted in clinical research and practitioner validation. Their products are third-party tested and backed by clinical insights from over 4,000 practitioners. They are thoughtful about every ingredient using exactly what is needed in bioavailable forms. And this is important because you and your baby deserve the best. If you are not already one of the hundreds of women in our Women of Strength community using Needed as your prenatal, consider switching to Needed. Get 20% off your order by using VBAC20 at checkout. You can visit that at thisisneeded.com and use code VBAC, V-B-A-C, 20 at checkout. 
But when I would go for my checkups with her, my body felt relaxed. I wasn't feeling that something was mm-hmm. intrusive, which was also something, you know, I felt safe, I would say. So at about 38 weeks, we started to check for dilation. And w- one time I got this email from her saying, from her team, from her clinic saying that we're scheduling a C-section for 39 weeks just by mistake. And I was like, and then I was like, I would love to not ha- not see that or like not have that. And mm-hmm. she was like, I'm so sorry. That was a, just an internal error. There's no C-section being scheduled. You know, so I love that she was just behind me every step of the way. Uh, yeah. So we started to check for the dilation and there we go, it was zero. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, doesn't mean anything. It's still going to happen. Uh, then I was listening to one of the episodes that was talking about the Foley catheter uh-huh. and the low dose Pitocin. And I was very intrigued because I was like, okay, the baby's starting. They're starting to, to say that the baby's getting to about three kilos I think seven pounds ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and, and they were starting to kind of raise in the hospital when they would monitor me, starting to raise the fear of, Oh, the baby's getting big, mm. you know, starting to kind of hint at that. And I was like, so I want to have at least like kind of a plan B of that's not a C-section, but maybe some light intervention. So mm-hmm. I read about the catheter and I mentioned it to my doctor and she was like, yeah, you know, if the time comes and we need to use it, I'm totally fine with it. And and she she was very humble. Like she would research things that I mentioned to her m- that maybe she hadn't tried before. And she'd be like, oh yeah, the research, let me do some research on this. Not oh, asking if she that. knows everything. Yeah. It, and she refers also to a hypnobirthing doula that me and her work work with. Just that's how I knew her from that hypnobirthing doula. So she's just so open to like understanding that maybe th- we don't have all the answers already right away. And we can actually, mm-hmm. you know, explore explore our options so uh, i was being monitored consistently at the hospital and they were saying you know because of the history of the suspected placental abruption and they were always saying yeah baby looks baby seems very happy baby seems very happy so that made me feel good then i heard also about the membrane sweeps so i asked her can we do a membrane sweep at 39 weeks and she said yes let's do a membrane sweep at 38 something Mm -hmm. so i went in and I wasn't dilated at all that she was having a hard time even doing the sweep. Yeah. So she, so she said, you know, let's try, let's try after your 39 weeks, maybe you'll be a little more dilated. And there's another doctor in, a, in my practice that has longer fingers that's very good with sweep. So she said, I want you to try her next time. So 39 weeks comes and then I do the sweep. I feel some kind of cramping, but nothing really happens. And that day I go to the the hospital and they say for monitoring and they say the baby's getting big the baby's Mm. you know over seven pounds and the chances of you the more you stay pregnant the less likely you are to have to be able to birth vaginally so i emailed my doctor i said okay can we book uh an induction with the foley catheter and the low dose pitocin she's like let's do it so i go into the hospital 6 a.m with my birthing bag prepared you know it's gonna happen and I had read about how painful it is to insert the catheter, but she was, she's just incredible. Like I, I was relaxed, everything was in and it started to do its job. It started to mechanically dilate me cause I was at a zero and I was in the, in the, in the room with my husband and my sister, just joking and laughing and watching like episodes and just mm-hmm. not someone in labor <laughs> at <Right>. all, <laughs> it's just nothing to do with labor. And then they would come in and they would, you know, check and they're like, yeah, okay. So I think after like eight hours, they took it out. And I was at that three and a half, 
centimeter dilation from the the foley but she said it might close up a little bit and it's uh huh you yeah. know it's it was it, it she said just yeah like let's let's just see so they started the low dose pitocin and i remember sitting there on the ball kind of trying to ease into contractions even though they were very mild and i was like wow i have really good pain tolerance the second pregnancy i'm like not feeling those contractions because they weren't real contractions <laughs> and then, <laughs> i'm like oh wow you know and then i start to feel my baby moving up up like into my my ribs like she's oh. bumping into my ribs so they go and check and they're like yeah she's at a zero station she's not moving down we have to up the pitocin a little bit higher and that day i had seen an osteopath who checked me and she was like i was like yeah i'm going for my induction you know and tomorrow and she's like why are you going to an induction and i said because the baby's too big and i need to get the baby out and she was like your baby your baby's not ready you shouldn't mm. do the induction she said your baby is not ready and i was kind of like well too bad you know i'm going <laughs> too yeah late, so I remembered her words while I was sitting on the ball and feeling the baby moving up into my ribs, like I was having pain in my ribs. So then they checked at 6 a.m. So we had been from 6 to 6, 24 hours in the hospital. They were like, my doctor came in. She's like, okay, I have the option. You have two options. I either break your water and, you know, this has its own risks or you go home. And now you have a more favorable cervix and let's labor mm -hmm. start on its own. So I... I thought about it. I was like, no, I don't want to break my, I don't want that. I'm going to, my body's telling me just to go home. So this was like 39 weeks and three days. And my due date was on Saturday. And I had all these things planned that the baby's coming out, my son's birthday, my son's graduation from pre-K, all of these things. <laughs> and I show up very pregnant and everybody's <laughs> asking, oh, where's the baby? You know, that was just yeah. so annoying. I wanted to switch off my phone because the, everyone knew my due date and we're just texting like, hey, where, where's the baby? Mm -hmm. You know, did you, did you have the baby? And I'm just feeling all this pressure. And then, but she was cozy, you know, she was just there, happy and not moving down at all. So I started to go to acupuncture just to soothe my, my, my anxiety. And in the acupuncture, I felt, I, I was like just drifting off. And then I started to see this like round black, sticky thing and I was like what is this why does this keep coming to my head what is this round black sticky thing and then I realized it's a head it's a baby's head it's mm. black and sticky and has blood on it and I was like why do I keep seeing this but this is amazing like then I realized it's my baby's head I was like it's a good thing that mm. I'm I keep seeing a head when I'm doing acupuncture even though I'm not trying yeah. to, to see it yeah so two days later I go back to acupuncture again and I'm drifting off into that space where you're not asleep you're not awake but you're just kind of like you know in this crazy floaty state mm -hmm. and I start to see that I'm feeling my baby's head with my hands and I'm feeling her come out and she's on my chest and I'm sobbing we did it we mm. did it we did it and I was like okay this is beautiful but I don't know what to do with this you know this is, this is just a very cool visual. hold on to it <laughs> yeah hold on to it and so then the due date comes baby's not here baby's cozy we go do another sweep a few days later and i start to feel some cramping but still and i, I even the dilation moved backwards like she had warned me i was about two centimeters after mm -hmm. the whole and i was like oh my this baby's never coming out this is so stressful <laughs> you know i was but i was trying to stay positive but the weight was like just so anxiety producing you know, inducing because i was like what if, you know what's gonna happen like what if 
what if I wait all this time and I end up still having a, a C-section? I was just, my mind was all over the place. But then, then I went to see my osteopath on four, four days post, four days post due date. I see my osteopath and she checks me and she works on my, all this like, you know, deep tissue stuff. And she's like, yeah, your baby's ready now. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, all the muscles that are normally hard and tight are very soft and loose now your baby is ready. That's all she said. Then my mom gets seen by her as well for a session after. And she tells my mom, make sure you get some rest tonight. Tonight's going to be a big night. She knew. Oh my, that just gave me the chills. Oh my gosh. I know. It was crazy. And I had no idea that day. I felt pretty good. I had done the sweep. I had seen my pelvic floor therapist and she was like, yeah, everything looks good. There's no tension. And she was allowed to like uh, do, um, internal work at that point mm-hmm. and she was like everything looks good and i was like do you think my pelvis is too small like she's like no i think i think your everything looks great and you will birth this baby badly she gave me this boost you know it was helped mm-hmm. like someone had seen me on the inside it was like you're good to go you're good <laughs> <It's happening>. you're <laughs> good so that day i went for a walk in the rain with my husband i came back and i was just suddenly my my mental state was somewhere else i was just very distracted it was like this wave, this film of like dreaminess was like on top. And I wasn't stressed mm-hmm. about the time. I wasn't stressed about when she's coming. I just felt very relaxed. My body was super relaxed. So after that acupuncture, uh, sorry, after that osteopath, I sat on the ball. I was bouncing and I started to feel a little something. Quickly, it started to intensify. I couldn't put my son to sleep as I normally do. I was holding his hand while I'm on the ball rocking, listening to like a playlist that I made that was for just calming labor music i guess that i like and while i'm putting him to sleep i'm holding his hand and i'm just in that world mm-hmm. and then it started by the time he fell asleep it was like nine something i started to feel they were they were ramping up so my husband was like look if the baby's coming tonight we should get some sleep sleep so i go yeah. into the bed <laughs> yeah right you know <laughs> yeah right get some sleep so i go into the bed and i try to start sleeping and it's and i and it's very intense i can't sleep then I'm like, oh, that's the contractions that I forgot about five years ago. That's it. So I start to kind of get on all fours and I try to lay with the ball between my legs in the bed. And um, it gets, it ramps up a lot that by midnight, my husband calls the, the hospital, the doctor and says, you know, she's having five minutes apart contractions. They're getting intense. So the, the doctor's like, okay, just monitor for her for a bit. But if you want, she can come in now and we can get her checked, just checked in. She can labor in the room and, you know, let's, let's see. Because, oh, for that, the next morning I had an induction plan already. They oh, had, like, planned it. yeah. So she's like, we'll get her in the room early and, you know, she can just labor there and be, be checked. So I didn't want to go. I said, no, I waited for a few hours. And I think by two, I was like, we need to go to the hospital now. Like now this is, this baby is coming out. Like I, I just felt that it's not going to be a long time. So we go. And this time, the different thing I did from my cesarean is I had my headphones in and I was not talking to anybody. I was just listening to the song in that dreamy state. I was kind of riding a wave of like Mm -hmm. dreaminess. I was just in that world and listening to the music. And then my husband's giving them my insurance info, my name, all of this logistical stuff that doesn't you know, make sense at the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All the bright lights. And then I'm having contractions. I'm kind of breathing through them. Then comes a resident who's like, I need to check you. I need to see if your baby's still head down. And I said, my baby's head down. I know that she is. No one is going to check me except my doctor. And he's like, he gets very angry. And he's like, 
you're taking, you're risking your life and the baby's life. And I said, mm. I know my body. I know my baby. I know that she's head down. I was just at the hospital this morning. If she flipped, I would know, <laughs> you know, I, I would. Yeah. Feel it. So I was just confident. And I was like, and my baby, my doctor can check if she wants, but I'm not, you know, you're, I'm not no. doing any exam, <laughs> but thanks, but no. And my husband is like the nicest guy for him to have this kind of confrontation makes him super like, you know, uncomfortable. Edge, yeah. And he's like, he's like, he's just, you know, doing his job. So, but, but I had prepped him from before. I was like, look, no, I mean, no, no one's going to check me. I'm not being nice to anybody. This is my body, my vagina. Mm -hmm. No one's looking inside unless, you know, unless I'm, I'm comfortable. And we had done like also a, a hypnobirthing crash course just to like remember or, like a refresher course. Yeah. Yeah. And we had decided that also no one can offer me the epidural. If I want it, I'll ask for it. But at that hopefully I'm not going to ask for it. So at this point, the contractions are super intense. And I have to sign this thing that says I'm okay with me and my baby dying, blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm in my world. Yeah. I'm like, sure, here you go. You know, then we get to the room and the contractions get so much that I start to feel terrible. I start to feel like, first of all, my intention with this birth is to feel good. I want to have a good experience. And if I don't get the epidural, or if I don't stop this pain, I'm not going to feel good. So mm -hmm. I tell my husband, who's very well-intentioned, you know, I'm like, look, I need the epidural now. And he's like, Amina, we talked about this. We said that, you know, you're going to ask for it and I'm going to tell you, you can do this. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't care what we spoke about. I want the epidural now. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's like, you can do this. You said that this would happen, but trust me, you're almost there. I'm like, no, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah, he's like really you know doing all the stuff that he's told to do and then he's like okay let me he gets kind of upset he's like let me go talk to your doctor and he goes outside calls her on the phone she comes and checks me i'm still at a two so she's like okay it's gonna be a long night and she explains to him maybe this will help her feel better like it's yeah. gonna be so it's gonna be a very long night so let her have it let her relax she'll get some sleep we're gonna be very careful because of the bad reaction the first time we're gonna mm -hmm. give you a lot of iv fluids we're going to give a very tiny dose and, you know, it's, we're going to monitor you so well that hopefully we'll avoid the blood pressure dropping thing. Yes. So it was very hard to even get in the epidural because I was contracting so intensely. It was like a lot. So they, they managed to get it in and they were like, okay, you know, there's a button, you're going to press it if you want more. And I was like terrified of, I'm like watching the, the heart rate monitor and the, yeah. and the blood pressure watching it like this, waiting for the emergency, you know, and they're, and they're like, you're fine, relax, everything's good, now you can rest. So I, they put such a tiny amount that I could probably move around if I wanted to, but I had the ball between my legs, I was lying on my side, and I would still feel the contractions, but they were just a bit more manageable, which was very mm -hmm. nice. This was around, I think I got the epidural in around like three-ish, four-ish, someone came in to check, and I was at a four, I was like, Ugh. and then mm -hmm. they're like, it's still going to be a long time, you know, don't worry. Then suddenly I, a, a woman, oh, when I was a four, a woman comes in, a, a resident, and she was like, you're at a four, would you like me to break your water? At that point, I was in this like very surrendery kind of state. I was like, mm. sure, do it. So she did. She broke my water. And then as soon as I look, it's there's red all over the sheet. And I was like, uh, it's blood. And she's like, yeah, birth has blood. Like there's, there's always going to be blood in birth. And I was just like, that there's no one panicking around me that I'm bleeding and it's a lot more blood than the first birth. And they were like, baby's okay. You're okay. Blood is normal. You're fine. Just relax. 
it was like wow. it was the reverse situation where instead of you know i'm calm and everyone's panicking it was the other way around where i'm like guys look you should panic now <laughs> and they're like yeah you're okay you're everyone everything's good so that was just a, such a moment for me where i was like okay b- blood is normal i have to not freak out when i see blood and my doctor had warned me she's like i know you're gonna panic when you see blood but trust me bleeding and birth can happen and it's okay it doesn't mean that something is wrong mm-hmm. so that was a very powerful moment for me she breaks the water and then this was at 6 a.m at 6 15 i suddenly feel something shift i'm like i feel a lot of pressure and they had told me it's going to be a few hours i'm like i tell the nurse i feel like i have a lot of pressure like i need to poop suddenly she's like poop she runs <laughs> gets the doctor and they check they're like you're eight centimeters the baby's head is right there wow. you're almost ready to push and i start crying just when i heard the eight i was like this has never happened and i right. think that was the first moment that i was like this might really happen they have this dilation poster on the wall in front of you where you can visualize you can see like you know the one centimeter <laughs> to all the way to 10 and i constantly would look at it and i'm like 10 it's possible it's gonna happen you know that really yes. also helped me i think so when they said eight and the baby's head is right there i, I had like shivers i was just like so happy so elated and then they were like but it's still a few hours it's not going to be right away so just you know you're eight it could take a while until you're ready to push 15 minutes later i was like i was 10 and i was ready to push it was oh my so, goodness so from from four to from four centimeters to pushing was 15 minutes like a 15 minute chunk it was just very fast crazy fast so then at that point the doctor changed shifts uh, and there was a new doctor, the one with the long fingers, and had given me the sweep. She comes in and she's like, we're having this V-back, let's go. And it's like the energy of the room. Everyone's excited for you and cheering mm-hmm. for you. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful experience. I was like, I don't care. You know, I'm just so happy to be here. The epidural stopped working on one side. So I was feeling everything in the right side of my pubic bone, all of this pressure. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's normal. Sometimes this happens. You're just, you're only uh, numb on one side. Mm-hmm. But the baby's stuck behind your pubic bone. So we need to do some pushes to get her past that. The pushes for me were, were the hardest part because I felt like I couldn't do the pushing that I was, that I prepared for with my pelvic floor therapist or the stuff that I read. It was all just mm-hmm. like, you're going to inhale and then you're going to hold your breath and push and then you're going to exhale and end. And it's so counterintuitive to what I was taught to do that I was like, I don't know if this is doing anything. I don't feel anything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Am I doing and They're like, yes but you have to keep you have to keep going she her heart rate was kind of in distress in between the contractions and they were like you have to push like w- you know we're not um, she's like i'm not telling you that this is an emergency but i'm telling you that we can't stay here for long so you have to push right so my husband's like come on i mean i push i'm like okay i'm i'm trying but i i'm I, trying I can't, <laughs> I can't connect to it so then i guess i keep purple pushing to just so much that her heart is going crazy. My heart's going crazy. There's all this, this chaos. And they're like, just forget about all the monitors. Just push, push the baby out of your vagina. You can do this. So then she moves, she moves past my pubic bone and there's a sigh of relief and they start getting out their instruments. There was a, a guy, like a resident, male resident in the, in the room who started to say, should we get out the instruments or something like that? Like the, the suction. I can't remember what it was called the vacuum the vacuum yes okay he starts to say can we get up it's the like vacuum? And it goes like right on their head like that 
I, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. even see. He just mentions, can I get, get up? And, and, my, and the doctor says, I don't want to hear that word inside this room. And I was just like, uh, I'm amazed. You know, I was, I was like, yes. I'm in good hands. But then basically they were like, okay, you know, she moved past her pubic bone. Now is the time to really push. I'm really struggling with the pushes. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm getting so tired. I'm like about to cry. And then, yes. um, then I had this moment of like, let me just feel, reach down and feel my baby. I put my hand, I feel my baby. The doctor is not even cueing me to push at this point. And suddenly I feel her head, just my body, just the super strength takes over and pushes the baby out without cueing, without noise, without it, just by feeling her head. It like, I don't know what happened. It's like the super strength of like the whole yeah. all women in the world. Just, I, she just, I pushed her out of me and then out came her shoulders. And then she was face on my chest. And I was just like, just sobbing with joy. And I was like, it was the same moment as my, my acupuncture. It was like, we did it. We did it. And I'm just sobbing. I'm just going to say that it sounds exactly like your visualization. It, like, it was, it was, you saw, his head, a, you saw his head and then boom out on your chest. And there was another moment while I was pushing the doctor was like, I see her head. She has black hair, just like her daddy. And I was like, that's the head I saw the first oh time. Oh my you know? gosh. So, and my son was born with like lighter hair. So I was like, this is, this is that moment, the black sticky head, you know? And I was like, this is, this means it's happening. So she was placed on my chest. My husband cut the cord and it was just the most healing, incredible moment of my life because I felt like in that moment, like this is just, you know, I'm invincible. Like this, if I can do this, mm -hmm. you just feel like you're, you're so strong, but also so humbled by the experience. It was, it was, yeah, just the most beautiful moment of my life. You grew right there, right? Like, I think there's so totally. many things to say about birth. Like, we grow through all these experiences and you grew through your C-section and you've grown through here. Like, look how long, you know, this journey has been and you've grown in every single aspect of becoming pregnant, learning how to follow your body from the very beginning. Something's mm -hmm. not right. And then they find out, oh, she has this polyp. Like, you have grown into this person and, oh, this, you're just amazing. And this, story is so beautiful and i love how your provider was there to back you up and like be there for you and be like nope don't even say that don't even talk don't say about that, that word here yeah, yeah we are here and something else that i love is that you know you recognized because like breaking water right breaking water is something especially earlier in labor that we like kind of stay away from a little bit and in your mind and your body you were like i feel good about this i feel like i'm going to surrender to this i feel this is right and then you did it and then 15 minutes 15 you know <laughs> and then you have a baby so like fast exactly it's just it's so... not this black and white you know this black and white intervention or no intervention that's what i loved about the v-back link because i was learning that oh balloon can be can be the, the, the foley catheter balloon can be a great you know v-back mm -hmm. a way to have a v-back like there's so many different interventions that can actually help you and i think yes. for me even trusting the epidural again was a big 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 lesson huge I was like, this is the moment where I lost all control in my first birth. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, control is an illusion, but that was the moment where I was like, just cut me open. I'm, I'm, I give up. Well, everything kind of went in a different direction from that moment, right? Of your blood yeah. pressure dropping and, you know, maybe placental issues, maybe not. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, when you were talking about 
you know, this may not be something you'll ever know. You may not ever know the exact reason why you were bleeding in that first pregnancy and things like that. It reminded me of our radical acceptance episodes and me too. Like there are things about my birth I will never know. And it, it doesn't like take the wonder out, but it doesn't consume me anymore. Right. And You've I love that you recognize. Yeah, you accepted that this that was that birth, that was that experience. You've grown from that. You've learned from that. You are going on to this next birth with with what you know and accepting this next birth as this new birth, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. so important because so many times in, I mean, life in general, but birth specifically, especially if we've had maybe a more traumatic experience or a cesarean or something that really seems to relate just like what you were saying like i got this epidural and then my control was lost like i did this and then this happened i think we can tend to relate and then fear those things to happen ever again again Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when my water broke for the third time, I mean, they say so many people, you know, so little people, 10% of people will have their water break before labor begins. And then it happened again. I immediately triggered, even though my mind knew that my body just needed time. I triggered back and I started having mm-hmm. those doubts creep in and all these things. But we have to be able to be dig deep, really, really deep and be strong enough to say, okay, this is the situation. And mm-hmm. this is how I feel about it and be willing to sometimes make, you know, different choices and, you know, going in for an induction again, like you were scheduled in to go in again, you know, and I also love that about your doctor that they were like, hey, here are your options. We can push this forward and see what happens or this isn't happening right now. We can send you home. Like, yes, yeah. so powerful. So this powerful. was unheard of. Unheard it's of. not very <laughs> yeah 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 you know when i told the nurse that day i'm my doctor said i can go home now she looked at me and started laughing oh i'm sure she like she's like no no she didn't and i'm like go ask her i'm going home and she's like and then she comes back she's like i guess you're going home and she's just baffled you know like this person was here to have a baby but they're going home without a baby because that's how much she honors what her what her patients want that they're women that are about to have a very important experience of their lives and that they should be a proactive part of it. I think that was the part that was so important. And to be with a provider that doesn't inherently believe that vaginal birth is always safer than a C-section, I think that was the trigger moment for me, that he believed that they're the same or one is better than the other. Well, he was putting a lot of things like, you know, you're going to pee yourself, this, (laughs) and like, let's let's like be real here like those are real risks of a vaginal birth we can have serious urinary incontinence we can have Mm -hmm. serious tearing that needs reconstruction they there's there are those real those are real what he was saying Mm -hmm. they were real he was using them as a fear tactic to Mm -hmm. steer you away and that's where it's wrong that's where Okay, I'm sorry. I can't say it's wrong. That's where I believe it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That we we should be educating very well on both sides and also talking about the risks, the risks in a cesarean and the risks of being the having our bladder cut, our baby mm-hmm. cut, having, you know, blood issues, like having to have transfusions. Um mm-hmm. also uterine rupture is not eliminated with a scheduled C-section. Mm-hmm. It's just not, but we don't talk about those things, right? We talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, 
it's just pushed so heavily. Like you could tell, like he was pretty cool about like, oh, you could tow lack until you were like, actually, I want to do that. And he's like, but wait a minute. Yeah. No, you don't, you know? And that's, yeah, that's where it's not, that's where we're lacking here in the, in the world of medical. And that's, I think a lot of the times why so many people don't trust providers and don't trust the hospital because of things like this. Right. And we need to steer more into your second provider's direction of let's talk about it. What does she want? We know the mm-hmm. risk. We're going to talk about the risk, but what does she want and how can we help her get that in a very safe manner? Right. Cause we want everyone to be safe. Of course. Totally. But yeah, like staying you know, open, body- you know, staying open. Like if she heard about something that she hasn't used before, having the modesty to say, let me research that. Not just yes. like I haven't used this before. So hard no it's like oh let me do some research let me ask my doula friends what they know you know and i love that about it like yes. she's yeah i love that so much about what you said about this provider like the fact that she was like you know i don't know let me look at that so we can have a conversation that's productive right like and that's what that is offering is a productive conversation between the two of you and not just shutting her shutting you out or she may have seen a different study in that and been like nope i've seen that that's not going to work but you're like but Mm -hmm. this study you know i just i love that so much it sounds like your provider was amazing and we had talked about it you know providers sometimes i think on this podcast we sound a little provider uh bashing maybe uh because we're like dang you like don't do that or why would they do that or we kind of speak poorly sometimes about certain things that providers do and that is absolutely not the case we love providers here we love any provider opi midwives both right but what we don't love is when our our community is mistreated when they're gaslighted when they're completely shut out of any options in their own birth experience and when they're really pushed in directions of trauma or lack of support right and that is that's what we struggle with it's not the provider it's that this is happening to people who we love in our community and i i know i say this time and time again i love this community I love you guys so much. You mean the world to me. And I see posts and there have been times at two o'clock in the morning, I'll be scrolling my phone in the community and end up crying, just feeling, like truly feeling those emotions from these people Mm -hmm. where they're like, help, what do I do, right? But then I also start crying when I pull up Zoom to record a podcast like this and I see you just gleaming, bursting for joy, so excited to share your story and inspire someone. And so mm-hmm. I truly love, I love you guys so much. And I'm so grateful for you being here with us today and sharing this amazing story. It sounds like I might need to connect with your provider because um, amazing. this is amazing. And remind me where you're, where this provider is located. In New York City. So she's in, mm-hmm. and New York City, it's hard to find a, a provider Very. that's supportive for some reason. I went all over, you know, the begin the first pregnancy even it's it's quite hard but really finding a provider that believes in you that knows that you can do it that mm-hmm. is excited for you and that doesn't just see you as 
a number or, you know, someone that, uh, that, that emergency. believes you're a woman. Yes. You're not just an emergency. You know, that, that was the biggest change for me because there was, it's not like the second birth was just smooth all, you know, there were moments where right. there was blood. There were moments where there was her heart rate was in distress, but there's that confidence that this woman can do this. This baby is safe and we're doing this together. Yes. Which is so powerful. And that's powerful. only going to help you during your birth, right? That's only going to help build you up and move you forward and help you feel like overall it's a better experience. And like you said, sometimes th things don't go exactly as planned or some things, it doesn't go so smooth where we sometimes have to move around because baby's struggling or yeah. there's blood or some, whatever, right? But because you were built up in this experience and the support was truly surrounding you, you were able to have that better experience. Mm -hmm, exactly. I think also I just learned so much from this, the difference between, you know, fear and intuition. Like if you have that feeling yes. within yourself, you can really easily mistake fear as this is, this is my, my feeling. But actually, is it fear or is it your real intuition? Because they can be blurred. And when you just sit with that for a bit, you'll see your body saying, hell yes then it's most likely a yes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I love that you talked about that with your therapist. Like, let's get, let's dig deeper here. Let's find out what is it that I'm scared or is it that this is really what I want? And mm -hmm. don't be uh, scared, women of strength, to shy or to like dig into that and dive deeper into those feelings because sometimes it can be fear. You're on social media so much, you're seeing scary things and you're like, nope. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But once you dive deeper, you might realize something else. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the vbaclink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.